let's talk about interest rates welcome to the thought bistro with akhil and bishop as a deep dive into a variety of interesting and thought provoking topics join them as they explore the world of ideas and broaden our collective horizons all right uh, so i guess the first question what are interest rates and what's been happening interest rates are at least those that are being set set by the fed and the thing that we've been hearing throughout the news are the rates at which banks borrow money from the fed and that in turn creates a ripple throughout the economy because since they have to pay a higher rate to borrow their money then we have to pay banks higher rates and it just there's a cycle that goes on this is essentially done so that people end up spending more money on paying interest as interest rates are higher um and that then leads people with less less money to spend on on like goods and services so less money is being you know, circulated through the economy and that sort of slows things down at least that's the logic that i understand and um yeah what do you have to say on this so i'm aware of the way it works in the us because that was my primary area of education interest rates are a very interesting game that is played by uh the us two sectors of the us economy one is called the treasury and the other one's called the fed so us has this very nice system where the treasury writes on a piece of paper that you know give me this much money and i will give back to you in a given amount of time now that time can range from a treasury bill which could be 13 weeks could be a year could be 10 years could be 30 years based on the timeline the fed says okay i'll give you this much money but i want this much interest in return yeah and every time every time you hear powell talk powell is the head of the fed which rhymed per se but powell is the head of the fed and this guy comes in and he tells okay the next time the treasury will come to me this is the interest rate that i will be offering them so whenever he says that i am going to increase the interest rate by 50 basis points or by 0.5% then that has its repercussions through the throughout the economy as you said now we are here to discuss why that happens and i would love to know what you know about it what are your thoughts on why it happens so uh, this has basically been done because uh, a bunch of uh, money was pumped into the economy during covid to keep things running um there was a lot of like you know so there was a lot of issues that happened during covid obviously everyone sort of stuck at home there was not too many people going out and buying stuff and things like that there were supply shortages and all that so in order to keep things running there was a lot of money that was pushed pushed into the economy so that you know people can sustain the economy can sustain at the levels that it was at and now that things are coming back to normal the world is opening up again you know there is excess money in the in the system so there's a lot of inflation that's happening thanks to that so you know obviously inflation something that costs you say 10 dollars today as you know it will cost you more in the future that is how inflation works and every economy does need it in patient but not you know it has to be maintained at a certain level so now in order to keep that inflation to the level that the us like it to be at they're doing this so that the as i said earlier the money in Uh, available like the circulation of money is reduced 
again, this is a very interesting nerve that you've picked, right? And inflation as a whole has been a major thing of discussion for the past two years since COVID happened. A major reason why inflation happened, in my opinion, was the lack of infrastructure that the US had at the time. Because the US was a very efficiently running machine when it came to its ports, how much stuff comes in, how much stuff goes out, how much logistics actually exists in the system, how many train tracks there are, how many trucks are in the system. Suddenly, when everybody was at home and everybody starts ordering stuff, everything has to be delivered. And to deliver stuff, you need more trucks, you need more trains, you need a bigger port, you need better facilities for ships to land at. Absolutely. And then everything gets thrown into the air, right? And because there is suddenly a supply shortage, because things cannot be delivered in time and things are just sitting at shores for such a long time. I think the Los Angeles port had some waiting of some 21 or 27 days. Absolutely. And that is absolutely unheard of in the past. Because these are supposed to be, you know, hourly things. You have an hour's wait and there is a rent associated with that one hour of extra wait. Can you imagine 21 days of extra just sitting there, goods sitting there, raw materials sitting yeah. there, manufacturers not receiving what they need, consumer not receiving what they need to consume? And it's not because something's not been produced, but it's just something that's sitting on a cargo container waiting to be unloaded and delivered to your front door. Exactly. And that made it so interesting. US's solution to this problem was, let's push in more money into the system and let's see what happens. That way, the people who will lose their jobs won't be out of jobs. That way, the companies that are going to lose these people won't lose these people. They will still keep them in jobs. And that worked out great. How that worked out is the Fed reduced the interest rates to near zero levels. When interest rate is near zero levels, that means money is free of cost. And bigger businesses, businesses such as Apple, such as Google, such as Microsoft, they had access to this free money. Because they had this access, they took up all the money they could at the time. Why won't you? If I get the same access, I would do it as well. Give me a credit card where I have 0% payable interest rate and I'll just go ham, right? So that's what they did. And now that the interest rate is climbing back up again, bit by bit, the people who had a variable rate interest, which means my debt's interest is governed by the time that is there now, rather than the time that it was set earlier at. Yeah. So like, for example, that if you've taken debt when the interest rate was 3%, if you had a fixed uh, if you if it was a fixed thing, you would be paying 3% regardless of whether the Fed increased or lowered the interest rate. Whereas if it's variable, you know, okay, it might have been 3% when you took the loan. It might have gone up to say 4.5%. As it is right now, it's up to 4.5%. That is the interest rate at that is the interest rate at which you have to now pay repay your loan. And that would be 4.5% if you are the government. Imagine if you're a business, business has additional risk to it, which makes it even more complicated, right? And it just goes deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole. And yet, the complexity of the question increases because the reason Fed is increasing interest rates is because it wants unemployment to increase. Because if unemployment increases, people have lesser money. People have lesser money, suddenly the demand shortens. The supply has to adjust accordingly. 
and the prices will start falling. But it's not happening. It comes back to economics 101, demand and supply. It's all about demand and supply. It's always demand and supply, right? I'll pose you this question. Why isn't income falling? And why isn't unemployment rising? Despite the major job cuts that recently we've seen from Facebook, now from Google, earlier from Microsoft, the job market is steady. It, in fact, dropped by 0.1% last month. Why is that? What do you think? I'm going to just hazard a guess here, but are people just doing what we're doing and working for ourselves? Is that, is that it? Are people just going that, oh, you know what? Let's not work for big corporations and we have things we can do. We have skills. Why not just work for ourselves? Let's market these skills. Let's be independent, uh, you know, businesses. Or I think I read this term earlier today, shoestring businesses. Oh, yeah. This is, this is a hype term that has started recently. And it is very true. Yeah, I mean, see, look at us, man. Today, you and I are sitting relatively, I mean, I wouldn't say unemployed, but we're, we have time on our hands and we're utilizing that time to read and, you know, make something of that time. So I guess if, if today uh, a big company came to us and we're like, hey, we need 16 hours of your day, we'll be like, no, thank you. We, we're happy with what we're doing right now. And we have our own, we have our own thing. We have a, a way that we can market ourselves. We can govern the times we want to give to it. And it's just, it leads to a lot more flexibility for us. And we're doing what we love. There's no, there's no person who's coming to us and saying, oh, do this topic, do that topic. You have to do, you have to work in a certain way. We, we can govern ourselves. We can do what we're enjoying. So it's, it's our passion taking over rather than instruction taking us where we should go. I, I think beside the point, we can monetize this platform as well. Like let's say in the future, if we have more viewers, then it is a monetizable platform. And that is not just for us. It is for other podcasters, other YouTubers, other people on other websites. There are things like Fiverr, which allow you to go out and do a short gig and that gig would give you money immediately. So unemployment as a whole has changed. And the reason behind that is technology, right? And technology allows people to do things that, you know, you could not do 10, 20 years ago. Think about it, you know, um, earlier, if you had to do like, you know, a summer job, the only thing you could think of was, oh yeah, you intern at a McDonald's or you work at a grocery store or something like that. But today, any student, any person who has what I say some companies would call non-marketable, like, you know, no, no experience, no skills, they can just open a laptop, fire it up and, you know, record a song make music, make, you know, films, they can utilize, and, you know, they can do that for so much more and they can, they can get so much more out of it than maybe earlier where you had to rent out a studio and, you know, actually get, you know, professionals to do this here today, a laptop and a, and all the tools that we have available allow us to do so much more with this little bit that we have. I'll make it Another step easier, you have a car, go and drive an Uber. You have a lawnmower, go and mow somebody's lawn. You have, there's this company called Woof, right? In uh, America. If, you, if you're not scared of dogs, go and walk somebody's dog and you'll make yeah. $20. Or oh, you'll make some tip besides that. You see Urban Clap in India, you see Swiggy and Zomato and these things. You just become a driver for these. Like you have a scooter. 
in India, I mean, like you had, you have a scooter, which is the first sort of mode of transportation that most people of median or low median income households get, and you can become a delivery driver for for one of these companies, and it's it's like, you know, you're good. That's that's you don't even have to. You can just be a part, like you know, you do as your as your time permits. There is no, uh, you know, there is no set agenda. There is no set time. You and you paid for your time. Now to link it back to today's topic, which is interest rates, how is this such a valid discussion? Because none of this requires debt. None of these things to make money, you need money, is not true anymore. If you look at this this side of the society, you can provide a service and you can make money. The people making money from services are buying services. For example, I will get paid via marketing if. If I do, if we will get paid via marketing if we do monetize this platform. And we will have to market ourselves if we want to get out in the world. So we will have to pay another platform, which will be paying somebody else to market themselves. It is just a crazy loop, right? It's just a cycle with a cycle with a cycle with a cycle, you know? Exactly. And, and as this sustains people continue to have money and people continue to have spendable money. And despite the interest rates skyrocketing, despite debt becoming very expensive, it does not bother the economy at the least. And we are able to see that live in front of us. Generally, economics is based on this, you know, theoretical evidence and economics is based on a lot of assumptions. Last three years, two years have been so fascinating in the world of economics because we can see everything. We can see what happens if you push excess money into a system. We can see what happens if you take away excess money from a system. We can see what happens if you, you know, you, you oversell your house. And it will become visible more and more as we go forward because some of the steps that the world has taken, some of the steps that countries like India have taken with an increase in debt to GDP ratio, which, which has again gone up by a significant number. It is at 95% right now. Earlier it was at what, 30% pre-COVID. So these things start building up and start showing themselves. But right now, regarding the interest rate discussion, the Fed is not getting what it wants. But what it wants, is that even a valid argument? Is it necessary to drop the employment? And is it necessary to drop people's income? That becomes a real question. Now, last time when Powell spoke, like three days ago, he said that uh, we are going to slow down the increase in interest rates. And he has to do that because your GDP growth has to be in line with your interest rates. It's all linked. I mean, everything, everything that, you know, it's all one chain leading to another chain. It, you in increase interest rates, there's a ripple effect that affects your unemployment, that affects your GDP, that there's a whole, you know, that whole theory of macroeconomics that, you know, we did back in college that, you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And th that's why the whole thing today is linked. At. So in fact, you were speaking about the debt in India and I wanted to speak to you about this because this is something that's been fascinating me. That the fact that, you know, it's in India, we're always hearing about the fact that, oh, the Fed is having a meeting. There is this whole anticipation that, that starts about a week, 10 days before the Fed is supposed to meet. Then those two days that the Fed meets, is this like it seems like everyone is on tenterhooks? Oh my God, what is going to happen? Oh my God, the stock market is going 
you know, it's it's going up and down, up and down. There is such um, there is such variability to it. There is such uh, volatility to it. And once the decision comes out, there is a reaction, there is an expectation. And then uh, it's only after that that you hear, okay, then the RBI Monetary Policy Committee is sitting and, you know, then there is a, there is a ruling for India. So why is it that the relationship is such? And, you know, can you help me understand this further? Because I am a li- I'm, I'm at a little bit of a loss here. So in my understanding, let's say you're a shopkeeper. And let's say you're a shopkeeper in a very remote village. Now, in that remote village, there are 10 houses. One of those houses is owned by Jeff Bezos, right? And the other houses are regular people, regular consumers that you have. Tomorrow, Jeff Bezos announces that my liquid income is going to go down. The amount of cash I'm going to have to spend is going to go down. Now, let's say that significantly affects your business. Because his, him having lesser money gives him a lower consumption, which gives you lesser to sell. Now, if he is such a big consumer of yours, tomorrow you have to sit with your business partner and discuss a new plan, right? You have to come up with a new strategy and you have to come up with what should I do to my shop because my major consumer is facing this. US economy right now is 10 times the size of the Indian economy in sheer GDP numbers. It is some 30 trillion to some 3 trillion, that mm-hmm. some odd number like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. India's largest export partner is the US. And that is based on net exports. On the other hand, the things that we export are at such low margins. And the things that we import are at such high margin. So that number doesn't even, that number fails to explain the extent to which India depends on the US as a consumer. Now, when the Fed announces a hike in the interest rate, the assumption is that the manufacturing segment of the US is going to have lesser debt, more expensive debt, lesser cash on balance sheets, and will have to pay more in interest rates in the future, as you said, than pay down their debts. So they will have to cut their shops from India and they will have to cut their shops from other places. All of them re-strategize, just as if you were a shop. I think that that is the theory that I can come up with. And that is one yeah, of that, these answers. That that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you think about it, that, that, that you know, today your major consumer is someone who's consuming, say, 40, 45%, even more of your of your goods is going through some crisis. You know that you have to then scale down to that extent. You have to then, your business is is directly affected by the amount that they are consuming. And if you look at it in terms of a small shop, then definitely it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. And that clears up a lot of things. And, you know, and absolutely India is so heavily dependent on the US as a, as a consumer, as, a, as an exporter, as everything. So that's, that makes a lot of sense. I think at this time, saying just India would also be unfair. I think it's just the world because US is three times the size of China in terms of GDP per capita and 10 times the size of India. And India is a huge economy. Now, think if we think India is a huge economy, how huge the US is with a fourth of the population. It is some crazy numbers that are going about, right? And you know, we just have to live with the truth as of now that 
there was the Roman Empire, there was the Mughal Empire, and now there's the American Empire. And like, you know, unless the empire changes, uh, I'll be moving to Canada. I hope there's a Canadian Empire soon <laughs> to sustain my lifestyle as more kingly. Yeah, I can understand that. You know, the, again, India is basically because I'm currently in India and all the news we get here, everything we're seeing here. So I'm thinking about it from the perspective of India. But obviously, yeah, you can change it and you can look at it from the perspective of any other country in the world because US, as you said, is the biggest consumer that there is. And it is the kingdom. It, it is the empire that we're currently ruled under. Oh, definitely. And uh, I would actually like to, you know, if the viewers are enjoying this kind of a conversation, I would like to ask them to look deeper into economics. Because this is our answer. And there are so many answers that economics has and everything has like a cost and a benefit to it. And we are just discussing one side of the costs and benefits. And maybe other viewers have like their opinions on what is happening. And maybe they can go into a deeper dive statistically on our opinion and that would be phenomenal to see as well yeah i mean i would love to know what other people have to think because dude we have spoken about this what i think two or three times now in preparation for our podcast and i think those two or three times we've spoken about it in two or three different ways and i think today we're doing a fourth way so yeah there is so many options there are so many answers that that you know it's a very 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 uh, interesting and deep topic to dive into. So yeah, please, these are all our opinions. So, you know, take them, understand them and, you know, critique us, let us know what you think. And if you do a deep, deeper dive, let us know. We would love to hear what you have to say. Let me end it with this quote by Stanislaw Lem, who is a famous economist. And the quote is, there are no answers, only choices. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Thought Bistro podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and were able to learn something new. If you liked the episode, please be sure to subscribe to our show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on social media. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are available in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and we shall see you in the next one.